Hunters, your favorite best ball show hosted on Player Profiler. I'm Bradley, your host tonight, and guest appearance from Dan Williamson of the GOAT District at Overhyped Sleeper on Twitter. I guess it's X now. Welcome, Dan. Thank you to uh, you for joining us here on Stack Hunters tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Bradley. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's always fun when I can hop on a podcast with you because you've got uh, so many different insights that just ab- absolutely pop out at me. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know, and uh, that's 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 a compliment to you. And uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I need to to be working harder at the statistical side of it. But uh, you definitely have that ace, and I, I really appreciate that. So you're you're always somebody whose advice I'm I'm looking at. You know, when you say something out there on Twitter, uh, on a podcast or whatever, uh, you know, that's that's information that matters to me. Well, it is always a treat to have you on, Dan. So thank you for taking the time tonight. Today we're going to get into some players that are going to be really important for our fantasy football playoff push. So we've got one week until the fantasy football playoffs in most leagues. This is week 14, and then week 15 begins the playoff berth, especially in your underdog leagues. So make sure you guys are tuning in. We'll be right back after this bumper. All right, Dan, we've got one week left until the fantasy football playoffs. And, you know, this is we kind of know where we're at. Most of our leagues are determined. Uh, We're going to make the playoffs. We're not going to make the playoffs. There's only a couple fringy teams usually where we're maybe, you know, seven and six, eight and five. And, uh, you know, it's going to come down to tiebreakers or it's going to come down to this week's matchup. And, uh, you know, we saw last week that there were some pretty chalky matchups. We saw, you know, uh, Philly versus San Francisco, and we knew that game was going to be very interesting. Seattle versus Dallas, that was also a slugfest. These are the types of games that we wanted, you know, pieces of. Uh, but were there any other, you know, Week 13 takeaways before we jump into Week 14 and beyond? Yeah, this was uh, probably the highest scoring 16 by week, I think, that I've seen in a couple, three years. I mean, I had teams that put up over 200. I saw a team put up 258 points in an FFPC. And it's, it's, it's just wild, you know, because it basically the players that, you know, it, we all like, you know, there are a lot of them that were getting, you know, 28, 30, 32 points, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we got some solid contributions. And because of the fact that, you know, there were so many teams on by, it, you know, it took the decision-making power out of a lot of people's, you know, hands where, you know, like maybe you might have in a, a perfect world not started uh, DK Metcalf because you don't like him against the Dallas defense, but you probably had to start DK Metcalf. Um, and you got rewarded with 32 points, you know, and there's there's a lot of examples like that. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, you know, having the, the smaller um, number of teams playing in total can sometimes help you help you out in a weird way. Yeah, sometimes it uh, eliminating decision making is yes. uh, is the is the pathway. You know, uh, <laughs> keep it simple, stupid, right? That's the right. that's the way we need to to look at some of these things. And the reality is you know, that we've established some good matchups as mm-hmm. we go in to uh, the fantasy playoffs and this last week. And so there are some players that have some positive matchups as we move forward. Um, but I want to talk about a couple overlap 
players. So Dan uh, has prepared some rest of season rankings, some dark horses, and some players that we want to be aware be aware of. And I'm also talking about some positive matchups. So first, I want to lead in with some overlap between positive matchups and some players that Dan has identified as uh, either good rest of season or maybe some dark horses or, or other players that, that we're both wanting to comment on. One of those to start is Brock Purdy. So he had an absolute slugfest of a game. In week 13, Debo Samuel obviously had some some big plays. Brandon Ayuk was himself. George Kittle played very well. Christian McCaffrey was himself as well. Uh, Brock Purdy gets the commanders in week 17, and I don't know how we bench him moving forward. This is a – all of his weapons are healthy. It seems like he is healthy. He's been a top-two quarterback in two of the last three weeks – for fantasies, not doing it on the ground, mostly through the air. Uh, Dan, I I think there's only a couple quarterbacks that we're benching Brock Purdy for rest of season. Uh, what is your take on Brock Purdy? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, he's kind of like the uh, consummate point guard in basketball, you know, just dishing out the assists left and right. And, you know, he's he's playing he's playing within the system and playing within the offense exactly how it needs to be played you know this and this is why um you know shanahan has has kind of been looking for a guy like this all along only that he thought that maybe it looked more like trey lance than brock purdy and it turns out that brock purdy is what he really needed so uh you know purdy's just mobile enough you know i i, I think it may be a perfect world shanahan, shanahan would like to have everything that Purdy has plus a little bit more mobility, but you know what? It, it, perfect situations almost never exist, you know, unless your name is Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's so yeah, I, I'm loving Purdy. I've, I've actually got a team uh, that's, that's running super hot in the NFFC, um, um, the uh, Rotowire um, online challenge. Um, I'm in the I'm in the top ten, number four um, of the whole contest, and I've got a team that it, this team is just loaded with San Francisco players. Uh, it's got uh, McCaffrey, it's got uh, Ayuk and Debo Samuel, and also Brock Purdy. And I've been playing Justin Herbert at quarterback, and now I'm having to switch over to Purdy because it's just it's too juicy to pass up. Yeah, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes though. As a player, he, however, shows up on your list of beware ofs. And before we get into why, um, I just want to put it out there. Billy Muzio, one of my friends in the industry, very close, a person that I respect, one of the one of the strongest rankers, high stakes savant, um, and and director of operations here at Player Profiler. So shout out to him. He had me on uh, this past off season, and we were talking about player projections and um, man versus machine. And, and I came on and I don't know, it was viewed as a hot take at the time that I had Patrick Mahomes outside my top five of projected quarterbacks for this year. And I was not drafting a lot of Mahomes except in Travis Kelsey stacks because, you know, we're always stacking, right? Stack hunters. I need to stay on brand, right, Dan? Uh, if I'm not doing that, then that was the point of this, this podcast. But uh, I went on and I said, you know, he's going to be quarterback seven, quarterback eight. You know, he's going to be outside the top five. And Billy, like, was was like 
digging at me. He's like, come on, Bradley. And he's like, no hate toward Patrick Mahomes. It's just that I like a lot of other quarterbacks better. And for their value and, and the offensive system around them, the offensive players, we have more questions about these wide receivers as, as you know, uh, as evidenced by. And now he's quarterback seven in fantasy points per game, right? And we just saw 19 points put up against the Green Bay Packers. And shout out to the Packers, though. Like, they've they've really come on hot over the last four games. Jordan Love looks like uh, a top-five quarterback and in terms of passer grade and, and NFL passer rating, touchdown passes, yards, all those things. But um, he Mahomes is on your beware of list, Dan. Is it is it anything specific, or is it just like this has been a season-long accumulation of – struggle for Patrick Mahomes to access those elite games as we move forward. Yeah, so it, basically this is, you know, supporting cast matters. And Mahomes just does not have the supporting cast to allow him to maximize his talents. Um, and what we've seen is a fundamental shift, especially over the past five games or so. Mahomes over the past five games is quarterback 14 in the uh, FFPC scoring. If you throw out Joe Flacco, who would actually be quarterback 14 but he only played one game so we'll throw him out otherwise Mahomes will be 15 so but still 14 that's terrible for Mahomes and you know but we've been seeing it within the game because they're relying more and more on the running game and Pacheco and you can see that he's having a harder and harder time getting the ball to Kelsey as much Kelsey's targets are down uh, you know he's he's been dropping a couple more balls than usual and just, you know, it, it hasn't quite been that usual magic with Kelsey. And really, other than Rasheed Rice, there's nobody else that he's really developed any sort of chemistry with. So, you know, the, the offense is doing what it needs to do to, to stay in games, and it's running the ball, which it's doing pretty well. And that's just kind of taking it out of Mahomes' hand. So, you know, I, you, you can't just sit there and say, I'm going to start Mahomes on reputation forever and ever. You know, it, this is the playoffs. You've got to start the, the guys that are going to win you games. And if that's not Mahomes, you got to push him to the side. Well, one of the guys who is winning games for us is CJ Stroud at quarterback. He's been absolutely crushing it with Nico Collins and uh, we RIP our tank Dell shares. Right. But uh, you know, Dalton Schultz, when he's been out there has been very good for us for fantasy. Uh, we saw Damian Pierce get into the end zone recently, but with a, an okay defense plus CJ Stroud, just, airing the ball out he's been he you put him as your number five quarterback rest of season dan um that might be a little hot takey but he's played very well and leads all quarterbacks in passing yards over the last three weeks uh cj stroud he he's got a pathway to be not just a a quarterback one but a mid-pack quarterback one um talk to us about a little bit more about cj stroud yeah, so I think, you know, with Stroud, obviously you're concerned that out of the next four games, he's got the Jets once and he's got uh, Cleveland once. But he's shown an ability that even in those games, you know, he's not going to put up a terrible score for you. Uh, you know, it might be more like 20 points rather than 30 or 35 or something like that. But he's he's going to do pretty well. And, you know, I, I'm just getting more and more confidence in him. Uh, last night, we had uh, three legends of high stakes on the GOAT district, if I can put in a shameless plug. Uh, we had Nelson Sousa, uh, Billy Wazowski, and uh, Chris Vaccaro, who are just all, they have all won hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars playing fantasy football. You know, the, these are these are people who know the game. And I we asked them straight out, 
would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or C.J. Stroud the rest of the way? Every one of them said C.J. Stroud. Yeah, even with those matchups, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Cincinnati-Kansas City game at the end of the season is not what it's going to be cracked up to be. Although, Jake Browning, over 300-something <laughs> yards passing, maybe we're going to eat our words. Who knows? Maybe that is going to be a game where it's a, a little bit more exciting uh, than than initially thought. Um, one player that is showing up multiple times uh, as we get into what Billy Muzio likes to call these, these shootout weeks, right? Uh, the into the playoffs and during the playoffs and that one of those players, one of those quarterbacks is Russell Wilson. He gets the chargers twice once in week 17 and this past week uh, or this coming week, Russell Wilson versus the chargers and the chargers give up the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. And Russ has been quietly okay over the last four weeks, three of those four weeks, he's been a top 12 quarterback in terms of fantasy points and the, the Denver Broncos, they have uh, been on mostly a winning streak. I mean, they, they won five in a row. They did have that loss to Houston, but it was very close. And Russ had 18.8 fantasy points in that game. So I think Russ is in a good spot to be, if you are not sure about who you're, he's a safe pick. If you're not sure Mm -hmm. who to start, I think he's a pretty high floor I, I wouldn't say a high ceiling guy because we've only seen one top five week from him. But if there are ever spike weeks, it's going to be against a defense like the Chargers that can give up a lot of fantasy points. So uh, Russ shows up for me twice. I think he's more than just a streaming option moving forward. Yeah, to really unlock the Russ Wilson ceiling, you need to see uh, the Denver defense break down a little bit somehow. And, you know, just allow more scoring than they've been allowing for, you know, basically ever since the Miami game. Uh, you know, so that's that's the problem is Russ is a little bit more game managerish right now, as you were saying. Uh, you know, nice floor, but, uh, you know, Sean Payton won't hesitate to take the air out of the ball after they get a 10-point lead. Here's the wild thing, Dan, is Russell Wilson... Yes, he's been a top 12 quarterback three of the last four weeks, but he's only thrown for more than 200 yards once since week four. (laughs) (laughs) And even during that span, he's also been like quarterback 14 and 13 and nine. Like he's not like completely busted for us. Mid-back quarterback two is pretty much his, his floor. But the ceiling just is not there. You mentioned because of the defense. But I also wonder if it's because they're not using arguably their best and most talented wide receiver, Marvin Mims, right? Uh, (laughs) Cortland Sutton has been very good for them, but Jerry Judy is not. So the question is, is Sean Payton going to use Marvin Mims sometime during the rest of the season? I hope so. Like, the matchups are good against the Chargers, but... I have concerns like we we don't have confidence putting in anyone other than Cortland Sutton from that wide receiver core into our starting lineups. Yeah, that's that's really it. Uh, you know, and I just at this point, no, I don't have confidence that Mims is, is going to get used. I had nearly 50 percent Mims in my redraft uh, leagues this year and. <laughs> I had a lot so, in best ball, too, Dan. Yeah, he was I had the, plenty he was of the best profile. Ball, yeah. Yeah, he's the profile yeah, he, that we wanted. Right, exactly. 
And, uh, you know, so he was, he, he, you know, I don't, I don't know too many people that are, were more invested in Mims than what I was, but, uh, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's not happening. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few of those redraft leagues where I have actually, uh, kicked Mims to the curb in the past week or two, because you know what, I, I need to find some guys who can contribute for me over the last few weeks of the season. And, uh, you know, I'm just not seeing it from them. So. But I, what I need you to do, Bradley, is I need you to, to dig in over the offseason and explain to us how Russ could have, how Russ could be a top 12 quarterback that often and only throw for 200 yards once. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's your assignment uh, if you if you choose to accept it. Well, it's, you know, if you look back for the last five games for Russell Wilson, he's had at least 30 rushing yards. And two of those games, he's had rushing scores. So that is a significant amount of fantasy points on the ground. So he's been a little bit more mobile, even though he's not getting the passing yards that we're anticipating. So even in the game against Minnesota, where he threw for 259 yards, 27, 35, 77% completion uh, passing touchdown, he only had two rush attempts for one yard. So that's not going to get it done when it comes to uh, fantasy goodness from the quarterback position. That's I think why, you know, and at least Russ is willing to run a little bit more. We've seen, you know, uh, four of the last five games over 30, uh, 30 or more rushing yards. And then even before that, we had three other games. So seven games so far out of 12 where Russ has had at least 30 rushing yards plus the possibility of rushing touchdowns. So uh, that that's why, Dan, I, I don't need to do the calculus for you, uh, but maybe we can do a little deeper dive, you know, in the offseason. Nevertheless, um, Before we get into any of the other positions, a word from our sponsors. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you could 100x your payout on Underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Oh, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, And you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to a hundred bucks with promo code underworld. Go start picking. That's right. Everybody go start picking on underdog fantasy. Use promo code, promo code underworld. (laughs) That's phenomenal. Um, That's great. Okay. Uh, This is, this is fantastic. Dan is here. Good good radio. Great, great, great radio. (laughs) Uh, We will stay with the Chargers-Denver Week 17 matchup, Dan, because there is a little bit of, not a little bit, there is a lot of anxiety over one player 
because he gets Denver twice and supposedly it's a good matchup and supposedly he's going to smash. And we've seen previous production and elite fantasy scoring from this player, but fantasy managers are worried because he's been busting lately. What are we going to do with Austin Eckler? He gets the Broncos twice. We think with Mike Williams gone and Josh Palmer out of the lineup and an ineffective Quinton Johnson and Gerald Everett in and out of the lineup that maybe, just maybe, Austin Eckler would be the answer to our fantasy prayers, but he's not Ben. How are we, as fantasy managers, supposed to approach Austin Eckler, who does not look like the Austin Eckler of the past? Yeah, he's a he's a tough guy to be throwing in your starting lineup with uh, you know money on the line or you know reputation or whatever it is that you play for in a fantasy football, and you know it's it's just tough. But on the other hand, how many better options do you really have? I mean, you know we we know what his ceiling is and we know you know what this offense is capable of. Um, you know, I I kind of wonder if maybe getting uh, you know Josh Palmer back might give him a little bit of a sneaky boost as well. I don't know if it's we can hope for Palmer back this week, but maybe next week uh, we can get him back, and that might be what it takes. But, you know, he – Eckler seems like a guy who misses Mike Williams probably as much as anybody because Williams stretches out that defense more than anybody else has been able to since he went down. So um, I think that has something to do with it as well. But, you know, it's it, it's tough with Eckler right now. You, you you're, you're terrified to sit him and you're terrified to start him is basically what it comes down to. Yeah, over the last three games, Austin Eckler running back 32, 36, and 34. That's not getting a six fantasy points and a half PPR, 6.9, 3.7 against New England? Against New England, right? In the rain, no less. I mean, that should have been a total running game. I mean, you know, just hand to tackler over and over. Yikes. Which they did. Yikes. It just didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, 1.3 yards per carry in that game. Holy buckets. Uh, it, it was, it's been disastrous, but also through the receiving game. Eckler's been held to single-digit receiving yards in two of the last three games. Um, he's also had a case of the fumbles, right? Two fumbles over the last three games as well. Things have just not gone his way. He gets Denver, who, as you mentioned, has been a much stingier defense as of late. And one of the reasons why they went on that five-game winning streak to get them back into playoff contention, it's Denver. And then as Vegas, Eckler missed the Vegas game uh, before, but then Buffalo in Week 16, and then at Denver again in Week 17. Man, oh, man. Yeah, Josh Palmer's window was opened to be activated from the IR today. So that is somebody, if you are in, you know, you're still running waivers and he's somebody that you, you see on the waivers. I think it's worth picking up. He could be a flex option for us, but I think Austin Eckler is one of those players that um, you're going to look really smart. If you bench him and he doesn't produce, you're going to look really stupid if you bench him and he goes off for that streak of week eight, nine, and 10 when he was the running back six, four, and four, you know, in the week and averaging nearly 20 fantasy points per game and a half PPR. Like, Dan, this is a, a very polarizing player. And, and I think that uh, the problem is the Chargers offense overall just does not look good. So, uh, 
how can we have that trust? You know, I, we got to start Kyron Williams over him. We have to be starting other players like uh, Zach Moss, I think, deserves to be starting over him at this point as long as Jonathan Taylor is out. Uh, you're starting Isaiah Pacheco. You're starting Bijan, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, especially if Najee's out, you're starting Jalen Warren over Austin Eckler this week. Uh, maybe that's a hot take, but you know, call me out on it, Dan. Like, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, you know, because the thing is, I mean, you know, he, he is on my, my beware list. Um, and he's probably the one that's got the, you know, the highest range of outcomes. You know, like Pollard is on my beware list as well, but he's somebody that, you know what, if I'm stuck, I don't really mind starting him. Uh, you know, and it's it's hard to come up with starters that are better than Pollard. It's just my expectations are lowered on him, but I feel like he's got a more solid floor. With Eckler, I'm just not sure where that floor is. Uh, uh, you know, and Saquon kind of fits in that same category. You know, mm -hmm. somebody who I'm not sure where the floor is from week to week. I know the ceiling is there, but, I you know, there's, there's no floor underneath it. So, uh, you know... Guys, you sometimes have to be aware of running backs for different reasons, and uh, you know those are those are a couple guys that I'm aware, being aware of uh, for different reasons. You know, Pollard and Eckler. Yeah, Pollard and Eckler. Uh, in particular, Pollard. At least Pollard has recently gotten into that back end running back one territory over the last three weeks against Carolina, Washington, Seattle. Those have been good matchups, though. Like those have been very positive. Dallas has very much been in control of those games. Um, Philadelphia in week 14. We look back week nine. Eckler or Tony Pollard finished as the running back 28 that week with 7.8 fantasy points. Uh, decent on the ground, but did not fall into the end zone. And I think the floor is, you know, back end running back two for Pollard given the volume. Uh, but you're you're probably starting him. The floor is higher for Tony Pollard than it is for Austin Eckler. I think Pollard over Eckler is the play, regardless of matchup, uh, moving forward. Yeah, pretty much. I would I would agree with that as well. All right, let's take a look at a couple other plays. Um, obviously, you know Christian McCaffrey gets some of the juiciest matchups moving forward. Uh, Seattle and Arizona, uh, obviously, those are plays. But uh, Dan. Is it Eli Mitchell as a handcuff, or is it a player like um, Devin Singletary? You know, who is more valuable at this point in the season? Like, it's shootout, playoff time. Like, we know what the San Francisco 49ers are willing to do, and if McCaffrey goes down... Is it worth that value? I think that's like a line of demarcation for me that I'm having a difficult time discerning. Like, should I drop a player like Singletary, who's back end running back two ish, or Eli Mitchell, who is a zero most weeks unless McCaffrey's out? Yeah. So I actually uh, way back at the beginning of the season, uh, you and Billy did a podcast and. Uh, Mitchell was one of, I don't remember if it was you or Billy, but one of you was fading him, um, mm. you know, basically completely. And it was for the reason that, you know, he can be, you know, he could be hero, but turned to zero so quickly. I mean, you know, we don't like to call players injury prone, but, you know, if you're going to call a player injury prone, he's probably, 
the guy that you might think about doing it with. And, you know, also, we, you know, we've got Jordan Mason hanging around, and we've seen Mason getting some touches uh, as well. I just have more confidence in Singletary that he might actually seize uh, a usable role in the offense without Pierce going down. And also that if Pierce does go down, uh, I'm a lot more confident in what uh, Singletary is going to be able to do with the Houston offense than I am with uh, you know Mitchell with the uh, with the San Francisco offense because I think the San Francisco one is much more likely to turn into a committee than what it is with uh, Singletary. Yeah, I hear you on that. We saw what Devin Singletary was able to do with Damian Pierce out, um, but we're going to pivot here for a second, Dan. Um, I don't know if he's on the show sheet, but he is showing up in the comments. A different Mitchell, and that is Keaton Mitchell the Baltimore Ravens running back who's been uh, getting more involved as of late. Obviously the bye week week 13, we didn't get to see, but we did see an increased amount of snaps. We saw 11 touches in week 12 against the chargers where he finished as the running back 22 and three of the last four weeks for Keaton Mitchell. He's been a top 24 running back and Gus Edwards is kind of, you know, taking the back seat and, and Keaton Mitchell is kind of jumping up a little. The yards per attempt is very, very high. Granted, small sample size. Billy was very much touting Keaton Mitchell in the offseason. Are we... So one person asked, are we at, are we starting Keaton Mitchell or Austin Eckler? And I think it's still Eckler at this point. But if there's valid reasons to be considering Keaton Mitchell in this Baltimore offense, given what we saw from Gus Edwards earlier. And if Keaton Mitchell can earn a larger role, look out. Yeah. So, so Brad, you know, go, go ahead. Just, you know, give it a little sniff under there. You know what that is? That's, that's touchdown deodorant. And that's all (laughs) Gus Edwards has had. (laughs) Phenomenal. That's outstanding. That's why you guys come and listen to the podcast for for uh, for insights like that. Dan is uh, Dan is brilliant. This is great. I love it. Uh, he has he's like Legarrette Blunt two point Like this is clearly just a, a touchdown gobbler. You know this is right. uh, clearly it. And Keaton Mitchell has the juice. Like if you watch the film, the PFF rush grades, the yards um, after contact per attempt the uh, yards per attempt itself. The reality is Keaton Mitchell, he's played very, very well. Um, and the the other thing, and I don't know if um, other people have spoken about this, but the Baltimore Ravens are willing to take a couple shots down the field every game for Keaton Mitchell out of the receiving game. Obviously, he's not like Austin Eckler at this point, but it's encouraging for us to see that yards per target just very, very high for Keaton Mitchell. And it's intriguing if you can have a player who can just eke out of the backfield and who has juice just to manufacture touches. Uh, Keaton Mitchell is someone that that could be a fantasy league winner given the role that we've seen previously for this Baltimore running back. And to take it aside, I know, Dan, I feel like I'm on my soapbox here, but J.K. Dobbins could have been the running, like a top five running back this year if it not been for the injury and I had so much freaking JK Dobbins, my, my beloved, I think I had 33% share on underdog fantasy. So. Yeah, I I was pretty overweight on Dobbins as well. So, 
And, you know, I, I've got, uh, I got Keaton Mitchell and my dark horses for a reason, because I think if, you know, if Baltimore gets out there and does some self-scouting over the bye week, which I'm sure that they did, you know, I think that they're going to find that getting him more touches, you know, Gus Edwards, he's great at short yardage. You know, he's great around the goal line. They, they will continue to use him there. But Keaton Mitchell helps them replace Mark Andrews much more than almost anybody else because he can get open in the middle of the field. He can do some things speed-wise that just hardly anybody else can do on that offense. You know, and, you know, Zay Flowers, great player, but he's not a, you know, he's not going to be the guy who one-for-one, one, like, replaces Mark Andrews. I don't think, you know, I think that Flowers is, you know, he's going to be somewhat better than what he has been, but I don't think Flowers is going to be the league winner. If a league winner comes out of this whole situation, I think it's probably going to be Keaton Mitchell. You guys heard it here first. Keaton Mitchell as the league winner, Dan Williamson bringing the heat. Okay. Uh, one last running back from our, uh, from our, uh, from our outline here. We're going to pick on Devon Achan. We're going to pick on him because uh, Dan and I in the pre-show meeting were talking about um, our Devon Achan shares and Raheem Mostert staying healthy and all of that. Uh, but Devon Achan was able to just gobble up a lot of garbage time work. And I think that that's going to be the formula for success because uh, McDaniels was willing to keep Achan on the field when the game was in hand. So I don't know if it's just we want A-Chan to get some more touches or like he has him on his fantasy team. But uh, I think A-Chan is an auto start rest of season. Yeah, totally agree. And, I, you know, I think it's there's a couple things going on here. I mean, Mostert was he was so huge early in the season. But if you look at what he's been doing lately, he's really kind of fallen off. I mean, I, I think he's wearing down a little bit. You know, he is older. He is a smaller back. He's been asked to carry a pretty heavy load while A-Chan was on the uh, injured reserve. And so now you have A-Chan coming back with fresh legs. And, you know, what I see happening is while the game is, you know, still in doubt, it's going to be kind of a mix of Mostert and A-Chan. But then when the game is in hand, I think they're probably going to be using A-Chan and then maybe switching over to, you know, Jeff Wilson to salt the game away. Um, you know, and I think they're just going to say, you know what, we're going to hold Mostert. We're going to try to keep him fresh for the playoffs. And so A-Chan really kind of gets the best of that whole world, which is why I've got him in there in my dark horses, and I've got Mostert in there as my beware of. So, um, you know, it's, it just kind of feels like it's sitting that way to me. What do you think, Bradley? Yeah, it's certainly, you know, trending that way. A-Chan coming off of the IR and eased back in pretty um you know, pretty clearly, like the the Miami Dolphins were extremely conservative with him mid-season. Based on just reading the tea leaves, he could have come back early and not been placed on the injured reserve. Based on what what I was reading in the coach speak and and understanding out of the beat writers, but the Miami Dolphins went out of their way to make sure that their rookie sensation speed guy was not being overused, especially in the the middle of the season where they could be leaning on Mostert and and Jeff Wilson was back and it's okay for them to be waiting for HN to be spiking near the end of the season so that they can secure playoff position and also 
I know that like outwardly it may not seem like teams want to be striving for NFL records, but it's clear that if you have any sense of what's going on with Miami dolphins and the fact that they're on hard knocks and that McDaniels is, he's aware of the possibilities of Tyreek Hill getting that 2000 yards of possibility of Tyreek Hill becoming MVP, the possibility of setting the NFL record for most yards total for an NFL franchise. Like those things very much are within the narrative that the dolphins want to achieve. So as we go near the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do try to have games where, you know, like the Denver game where they continue to salt the game away and uh, HN can very much be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. McDaniel knows he's one of the smartest guys in the room and uh, I, don't, I don't think he's above, uh, you know, going out there and you know, doing a few things to prove that point. <laughs> we will pivot here to the wide receiver position. We've spent too much time running down the running backs. Uh, instead, we're going to talk about um, a few players. Uh, one of them, has already entered into the chat. He's already been mentioned once before, and that's Puka Nakua. He is the face. He is the thumbnail of tonight's podcast live stream. So if you guys haven't checked it out, shout out to our thumbnail team because it looks like a really baller thumbnail uh, with Puka Nakua. But Puka is a player that I had been tweeting about since March, and I had been saying, hey, like this is a player with great PFF, uh, receiving grade, great yards per route run, and the Rams were in desperate need of a wide receiver too. It's clear that Van Jefferson was not the answer. It was clear that Ben Skoranek was not the answer. Like And Cooper Cup, um, I think that Sean McVay had gotten fatigue over using Tyler Higby as the second option. And uh, they were looking for a guy who could step in and be the number two. And Puka Nakua has not just been the number two, but oftentimes the number one for this Rams team. And not only has he played very well, but this playoff schedule is very nice. He gets the Giants in week 17. He gets the Commanders um, coming up. Like, Puka Nakua not only has the ability to be one of the best rookie seasons that we've ever seen from a wide receiver, but also a league winner for us, Dan. Is, uh, is that a range of outcomes that you see for Puka Nakua? Yeah, I've got him in with my dark horses. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a slam dunk, but I certainly feel like he's got that within his range of outcomes. Uh, you know, we've seen kind of the transition of, you know, Puka being a little bit more of the number one, uh, Cooper Cup being a little bit more of the number two. And, you know, you could even argue that Higby and, and is almost passing Cup at this point. Uh, you know, and I, I think that Cup is really not at full strength. I think that ankle is still bothering him. Uh, you know, and so it, there, there are reasons behind it, but you know, it doesn't really matter at this point what the reasons are. What you've got to do is just react to the situation, and that puts Puka, you know, square in the crosshairs. If you're uh, looking to, uh, you know, find find somebody that can bring you to the championship, and you know, maybe you're not blessed with a Tyreek or a CD or a Keenan Allen or AJ Brown or somebody like that, Puka's your guy. Puka is your guy. You guys heard it here. Dan and I are in on Puka Nakua uh, as one, Dan's, one of Dan's dark horses. Um, another dark horse for you, Dan, is Mike Evans. And he's been one of the uh, – I'll make the argument that he's the fantasy MVP for this year because so many people were out on Mike Evans. 
a 30-year-old wide receiver, a big-bodied wide receiver who had not earned more than a 20% target share each of the last two seasons. And maybe that was due to Tom Brady just being uh, checked down king. But he's experienced a renaissance of a season with Baker Mayfield willing to throw the ball down the field. And uh, we've seen Mike Evans get the touchdowns and the yards. He's already over 1,000 yards yet again. So Mike Evans as a dark horse, uh, love to hear your take on why he is your number one dark horse. Yeah. So with me, the debate on Evans was, do I put him in with the dark horses or do I put him in with the uh, top five rest of schedule? (laughs) So that's where I'm at on him. Uh, yeah. And what a, what a gift in the draft rooms. Uh, you know, here's a guy who's basically being drafted at his floor, like where you had to take him, you know, there was no place to go down it was just all upside from there so you know it was it was kind of an easy pick to make uh and he, he's done fantastic i mean i i definitely had questions about you know how is baker mayfield going to do uh you know hooking up with mike evans it felt to me like maybe godwin is a little bit better fit for his skill set but you know what uh you know the cream rises to the top the talent's right there that's Mike Evans, and, uh, you know, so if you've got him, man, it's it's all gravy now. Well, one of the players who we had not been getting gravy from earlier this season was Christian Watson, and my boy Christian Watson, I've been drafting so much freaking Christian Watson, <laughs> and uh, it had been kind of disastrous, Dan, uh, for most of the season. However, over the last two weeks, 20-plus fantasy points, it's been looking very, very good, except... Now we're back at it with the hamstring injury. We are monitoring this situation very closely. All thing, if Christian Watson is healthy moving forward, um, he's got two major plus matchups as we get into the shootout season. The Giants and the Buccaneers, both um, among the top fantasy points allowed to wide receiver teams and matchups. So if Watson is not able to go, Jaden Reed, I think, is the next man up. And Reed has played very well. He's gotten the touchdowns. He's earned some targets. It's The Green Bay Packers want to get him one or two uh, end arounds as we go through uh, the, the season, uh, you know, every game. And, uh, but if Christian Watson is available, Jordan Love. Let's take a step back. Like he was one of your dark horses, Dan, that we didn't yes. get to mention. He has been a top five quarterback in terms of uh, passing yards, in terms of touchdowns, in terms of PFF passer grade, in terms of big time throw rate, uh, uh, average depth of target and NFL pass rating over the past four weeks. So this is a player who has just completely turned a corner and it's no wonder that, uh, you know, we're, see- we're seeing a difference in this Green Bay Packers offense because they're hyper-targeting Christian Watson, their best their best player. So if Watson is out there, look out. But I still think Jaden Reed is a nice little flex play if Watson's not able to go. Yeah, I, I drafted the crap out of the Packers uh, this past offseason. I was in on Watson. I was in on Jaden Reed. I was in on Jordan Love. And, you know, the first couple weeks, love, you know, every, everybody's talking about, you know, well, the, this TD grade is unsustainable, which it kind of was. And he went through a little bit of a slump, but you know what? He, he kind of started to figure it out. And our last five games, we've seen a lot better play out of love 
uh, you know, and part of it, I think, is just due to the fact that he's also got so many brand new weapons, you know, that are in the first or second year, uh, you know, and that's, that's pretty tough to integrate a new quarterback who's just learning to start and all new weapons, most of whom are just learning to start, and you're throwing them in there and you're saying, go play with the big boys, uh, you know, and so it's not a surprise that it took a little while for that to get sorted out. But if you had the faith, you had the confidence, you held on to those players through the dark times, you're getting rewarded right now. So now is a good time to get them in your lineup if you need them. There we go. We are going to get rewarded a little bit. Um, we've got one other player that shows up as a positive matchup against the Giants in Week 16, but he ends up on your beware of list, and that is Devonta Smith. Why should we be aware be aware of Devonta Smith? Is it just Dallas Goddard or are there other factors at play? <laughs> yeah. So this is this is a guy who I was debating back and forth. Should he be on the beware of list or should he be on the dark horses? Um, you know, because nobody really thinks of him as an alpha, but he's been playing like an alpha even more so than AJ Brown over the past few weeks. But, you know, also we're gonna see Dallas Goddard coming back. Uh, that's definitely going to influence it. Like last year, when Goddard was out, Smith went bananas. When Goddard came back, he went a little bit quieter. Same thing could happen this year, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen that way. I mean, you know, teams are still very much more cognizant now of A.J. Brown and how he can wreck their defensive game plan. And so they might still be putting the clamps on A.J. Brown, and it might be, you know, Devonta Smith and Goddard. So... You know, I think there's a wide range of outcomes here. Uh, you know, if you and, and unless you're really stacked at wide receiver, I wouldn't be not starting Devonta Smith. If that makes sense. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be <laughs> starting Devonta Smith in most matchups because, well, the reality is too. It's it just because Dallas Goddard is there does not mean that Devonta Smith is not going to get his. He's still going to get his 22, 24 percent target share. Like that's that's what he's going to get. The, the volatility, though, increases when Goddard is in the lineup. The volatility right. is there. Like, if we look at last season, when Dallas Goddard was in the lineup, it was only four of nine games where Devonta Smith was fantasy useful. But he was Devonta Smith was fantasy useful every single game that Dallas Goddard was out last year. Every single one. Minimum eight targets every single game. Uh, so he is a target... It's like he's elevated to the 1B just alongside A.J. Brown if Dallas Goddard is out. But when Dallas Goddard is in, it seems like he's the one who takes the hit. Um, at least, you know, in the uh, his range of outcomes becomes much wider when uh, Dallas Goddard is in because Goddard's a respectable tight end. And he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a top 12 tight end every single week. Um, you're starting him unless you have uh, some of the other tight ends that we'll be talking about here in just a moment. But before we get into tight ends that you should be talking about here at the end of the season, I want to talk about uh, some tailgates shows that uh, that I'm going to be doing here on Player Profiler. For many of you, you know I do the Thursday night tailgate every Thursday from 7:30 to 8. I do start sits. It's one of the one of the best start sit shows uh, because. Many of you are coming to me saying, hey, I need to start my, my week strong. I need to make sure that my Thursday night player is not my flex, is you know, in my running back or my wide receiver slot. And I need to know if I need to pick him uh, or someone else. And so on Thursday, uh, this Thursday, 730 to 8, 
Um, Emerson Berry is going to be joining me, and he's one of the writers for uh, the news desk. So if y'all haven't been to Player Profiler in a while and you haven't seen some of the player pages, make sure you go there and check out. Our uh, news desk writers have put over 200 articles in the players, uh, giving you updates on injuries, on depth chart shifts, on uh, performances that are noteworthy just this season. And we have a humble crew that is working their tails off to put out that many articles for you, uh, very tailored to your needs. So, you know, that's something that shout out to them and shout out to Emerson and the rest of the news desk team, because you guys have been crushing it. Uh, but on Thursdays, 730 to 8, make sure you guys are checking that out. And then I was on Tyler's Monday night tailgate this past Monday, 730 to 815 or so. Um, and that one is more based on. Uh, recapping the week and then also looking at some uh, some pick'em lines, just like our friends at Underdog Fantasy have available to you. Use the promo code Underworld, get a hundred dollar match up to a hundred hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Uh, Dan, I think I got that promo in right that time. Yeah, that, that that fantastic, yes. And the the Underdog pick'ems are so addictive. I mean, my God. <laughs> they are. Uh, thank goodness, uh, you know, in a sense that I don't have them here in Michigan or else, uh, you know, it, it would just be uh, so addictive. You know, that's a whole other that's a whole other story for another night. Uh, but make sure you guys are checking out the tailgates Thursday, 730 to 8 and uh, Monday, 730 to 815 as well. Uh, Dan, we're going to shift back into our tight end matchups and we've kind of hit on the Broncos and the Chargers game pretty heavily because they match up multiple times. But the Broncos have given up a lot of fantasy points to tight ends. And Gerald Everett is on that radar. And it's gross. It's disgusting. I get it. But, you know, we saw just this past week, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are a very positive matchup, um, give up the first touchdown of the season to Evan Ingram. So there is something to the... Well, they give up fantasy points to the tight ends because it's probably scheme based. And so the Broncos are willing to take willing to allow fantasy points to the tight end if they can limit fantasy points to the wide receivers. And that's, I think, why, you know, if you're looking for a tight end streamer, Gerald Everett is on our radar as he gets the Broncos twice here over the next few weeks. Yeah, totally agree with that. For my money, there is no better position to stream based on. Uh, the defense that they're facing than the tight end. Uh, those defenses that, that weak performance to tight ends, it just it happens over and over and over again during the season. You know, the wide receivers I find not quite as reliable. The running backs I find not quite as reliable. But those tight ends, man, a defense that's bad against a tight end, you can throw almost anybody in there, and they're going to do pretty well. Uh, conversely, you know, with the, the defenses that are super strong against the tight ends, I really watch out for those. And, you know, sometimes I'll sit a player that I normally would not be sitting. Uh, you know, like I might start a, uh, a Cade Otten over a, uh, a Dalton Schultz or something like that. Uh, you know, if, if Otten's got a really good matchup and Schultz has a really bad one. Uh, you know, so that, that tight end matchup is one I pay the most fit attention to when we're talking about the defensive side that is fair and then we also see later on in the matchups uh the we we mentioned the broncos have the chargers which means the chargers have the broncos and uh 
<laughs> maybe it's Greg Dolchich who's going to be activated off of the IR here soon. We haven't heard much of a whisper about him, but maybe he's still hanging out in your waiver wires. That is a deep cut if you want to uh, be getting in on the tight end. Maybe it's Adam Troutman. Maybe it's Dolchich. But if you're looking for just a pulse at tight end, you've been decimated. They get them as well. The Chargers give up the fourth most fancy points to the tight end. Broncos give up the number one. They give it the most. So very positive matchups between those two. I would be very interested to see how that shakes out. But Dan, there's one other, and this is a a really deep wild card type of uh, take. And that is uh, the tight end for the Colts. It's kind of a hot mess because we don't know who it is. But Billy Muzio has given us uh, one name that we should have on our radar. So shout out to Billy. And that is Will Mallory the rookie tight end um, and fifth round pick. His player profiler comp is Josh Oliver, 95th percentile, 40 yard dash, 93rd percentile speed score, 82nd percentile catch radius. And Gardner Minshew is willing to just whip the ball around Minshew mania, baby. Um, and so we look back at, uh, you know, Will Mallory over the last couple of weeks, seven total targets. Um, he's, at 34% snap share in week 12 uh, against Tennessee, obviously also very involved here. And the Colts get the Bengals who give up the second most fancy points of tight end. And maybe the first now with the Evan Ingram game, but they all, the Colts also get the Falcons as we end the season. So is it Will Mallory or is there someone else or is it not worth diving into at this point? Yeah, it's a little bit tough because Kylan Granson just kind of seems to be there to, you know, like steal Will Mallory's lunch money. Um, it's like Granson had a 40 yard catch, didn't he, in one of these yeah. games? Right. It, 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 the thing is, you know, he Granson seems to come up with these random big plays. Um, you know, he never gets that heavy of usage, but, uh, you know, a lot of times he's been the top scoring tight end on the Colts. So. That's been one that I've tended to just stay away from just because it's I have a hard time understanding uh, you know who is likely to come out with the best decor and you really with the Colts tight ends they, they play a they play them all enough that you you really have to guess right and I don't I just don't like putting myself in that position if I don't have to. Well, a position that many of us have put ourselves into is starting Dalton Kincaid because Dawson Knox has been out the Buffalo Bills have gone to, uh, you know, uh, single tight end personnel. It's clear that Dalton Kincaid has been, you know, a significant part of this game plan. But how worried are you that the Bills are going to revert back to a lot of 12 personnel with Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox now that Knox's 21-day IR window has been opened? Yeah, I'm definitely worried about that. Uh, I have him in my beware of. Uh, you know, I, I could have put him in the dark horses, but you know, he's a, he's a guy that I think just having Knox back around is going to take just enough off of his upside that I I can't really put him in as a real league winner. I still think he's got a very solid floor though. So uh, you know, if you're normally starting Kincaid and you really don't have a great option, you know, like a Hawkinson or a Laporta or somebody like that, you got to keep starting Kincaid, and probably things will work out fine. Yeah, Hawkinson, Laporta, McBride, um, yep. Kincaid. You know, Laporta, McBride. 
Kincaid have really come on strong. Um, one player that has uh, been placed on the IR and is out for a couple more weeks, but may be back near the end of the season is Luke Musgrave. And Musgrave's had four different games where he's had at least 40-something receiving yards. And with the pivot that we've seen from Jordan Love, I wonder if he's also somebody that could be on our radar that's really cheap and people have forgotten about given the injury. Yeah, so if you're in a if you're in a league where rosters lock and you really need to, uh, you know, you're you're struggling to come up with a roster position, uh, you know, I think it's probably okay to drop uh, Musgrave just because it's a lacerated kidney. Uh, that's that's tough, tough, tough to come back from. I wouldn't yeah. say never, uh, but you're more likely to see him like maybe week 17. Uh, you know, and I just don't know if it's worth hanging on to him because you know. Let's say he does, you know, get back, start practicing, and you know, the week seventeen, okay, we're going to have him active, and he's going to be in the game, uh, you know. And Tucker Craft has been, you know, let's say doing what he's been doing for the past couple of weeks. How confident are you going to be starting Musgrave and sticking him into your lineup? You know, for me, not super confident. So I have a few teams where you know rosters lock after this week, and. I said, you know what, bye-bye, uh, Musgrave. I just need to move on. Uh, I need to have a player that I feel like can potentially be there for all three weeks of the shootout instead of just one. So, uh, you know, but I do think he's a great player. He's somebody I'm very high on, especially for next year. Uh, yes. You know, I, you know, I think he can, he can be every bit as good as McBride or Laporta uh, or Kincaid. So, you know, I, I think there's a ton of upside there, so I'm not down on him overall. I just think, you know, with the, the situation right now, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to make those tough decisions, and that's one of them for me. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Mick, uh, Musgrave is not uh, not looking available anytime soon. So, yeah, you, you definitely play it by ear for uh, those types of situations where the roster's lock. Dan, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on dissecting these playoff and shootout potential players these players that are going to push us into the fantasy championships um you're at overhyped sleeper on twitter uh give us the drops give us the goods tell us about all the things goat district and beyond dan yeah absolutely so again uh goat district we're on player profiler every tuesday night at uh 9 30 eastern so make sure you catch us there uh last night we had a great episode with uh nelson Sousa. Uh, Billy Wazowski and Chris Vaccaro were, you know, as I said earlier, three of the greats in the high stakes business. Uh, you know, if you get in the room with them, uh, you don't need to look around and try to figure out who the mark is. It's it's you. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's just the way it is, you know. And uh, so we we have we have a lot of fun on Tuesday nights. Uh, you know, just going over general fantasy, and we hit a little bit of everything from uh, you know dynasty to redraft to contests and everything else, best ball. And then um, Thursdays, you'll generally find us, um, JD and uh, Harry Snowman, who is in the chat, uh, they've been doing a, a Thursday tailgate where they go over the Thursday game in pretty good detail, a lot of the gambling implications and so forth like that, and also, you know, some sit starts and everything else. And then Thursday night, uh, sometimes we do a uh, just an additional uh, some similar thing to what you do on Thursday nights, which is, you know, just a lot of sit starts, uh, kind of a little bit of a tailgate, and uh, let's get ready for the game. So lots of fun there. Um, you catch me on uh, Twitter, Overripe Sleeper, drop the final E from Sleeper. Uh, there just weren't enough characters, so uh, that's that's the way it goes. And uh, you 
feel free to hit me up, you know, DM me or whatever, you know, you got a question or anything like that. I, I pretty much will always respond and try to help you out as best I can. Yeah. Dan is a, a absolute superstar when it comes to supporting people in the industry. I mean, he was my 1000th subscriber on the best bell channel. So shout out to Dan. Uh, never yes. forget that. So thank you for all of that and all the support. It's been great, Dan. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, the, Next Stack Hunters, uh, we don't have a date yet, but we do have our next guest, and that's going to be Darren Armani. We're going to talk about yeah the FFPC and uh, some of the players that are moving on in the best ball tournaments and some of the data that he has. Uh, Darren is a great resource, of course, uh, so make sure you guys are checking out the Next Stack Hunters. When that date comes available, I will let you all know, but usually uh, probably going to be in a couple weeks, so keep your ears and eyes out for Stack Hunters. Um, I'm going to be on all of the things. Dan, I was on Monday's tailgate. We had Stack Hunters today. I'm going to be on the Thursday tailgate tomorrow. On Saturday, I'm going to be on the game. Is that? I think I'm going to be on the game plan for Matty Kiwum on Saturday. And then later on Saturday is the Dominator uh, with Billy. So it is a full-on player profiler slaughter, stalder slaughter here. Uh, so make sure you guys are checking out all of those shows going to be a lot of fun dan once again thank you for uh, coming on and uh, being a super guest yeah thank you for having me bradley i really appreciate it sounds like a great week man bunches of bradley everywhere just oh, inescapable gosh. it's perfect so yeah <laughs> check it check it all out it's going to be worthwhile for sure all right until next time everyone good luck in the fantasy football streets hey i want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in it's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.